And uh, I'm so glad she's with me. I'm going to make a few more remarks in a moment after she sings. It's such an honor to be here with you this morning. And uh, I'm so glad to have her with me. Uh, She makes me a better man. She's got an anointed ministry of her own. So I'm glad she's here to uh, sing and uh, invite the presence of the Lord here this morning. So worship with her as she sings this morning.
voices. Jesus loves to hear it. Invitation to come, and uh, we were here, I believe, in the fall of 2018. So 
It's been about a year and a half since we've got to see all your smiling faces, and uh, there's some familiar faces and some new faces, and it's good to see everybody. Amen. And it's uh, good to see the Camarinas. Uh, give them honor, both the elder and the youngers. I mean, we appreciate both uh, families, their leadership here, and uh, every saint of God, every visitor. We're so glad that you're here. My wife and I give you honor today. Thank you to the music team, the worship team, for singing, leading us in the presence of God. And thank you to my wife as well, to the media team, everybody. I know we're in crazy times, and we've had to uh, adjust and flex and do things differently. So God bless you. God bless the church in Lathrop uh, for making sure that the church moves on in this chaotic time and this age we're living in. So God bless you. Let's turn to the word of the Lord and jump right into this. I believe God wants to speak to us today. If you're here and you need a renewing, if you need a healing of heart and mind, if you need the Holy Ghost for the first time, if you've never been baptized, amen, Jesus wants to help you with all of those things. Amen. Jesus wants to uh, do what only he can do. Right. And uh, whatever you need, Jesus has got it for you. Let's read this scripture together. Uh, the Bible says in verse 23 of Acts 16, And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison, and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Yeah. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, yeah. so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep, excuse me, and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, the Bible says, supposing that the prisoners had fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all still here. Then the jailer called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they were giving him the first step. And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all of his, straight away. That's what we were just singing about a minute ago. And when he had brought them into his house, he had set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all of his house. Amen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop there. But what I want to preach about this morning with the help of the Holy Ghost is simply this thought. Don't let the darkness decide. Don't let the darkness decide. We're going to make sense of this in just a moment. One more time, put down your Bibles, and let's take 15 seconds. Just put your hands together to Jesus. Let's give him a great big hand clap of praise to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Come on. If you've got expectations that God can do, that God can touch and heal in this house, come on. Somebody give him some praise like he's the God of heaven, like he is who he says he is. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, Lord, in labor as it is in heaven, an abundant life center as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, we praise you, we lift our hope and faith to you. In Jesus' name. Just let your faith continue to rise. 
But if you're going to help me preach this morning, you may be seated in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Cameron, if it's okay, if I could get a water up here, that would be... You know what? There's actually some right here. That was my bad. Amen. God's going to cure me of blindness today. Amen. The story that we read to you this morning, the text that we read, this was a night that Paul and Silas would never, ever forget. The story of what happened that night that we just read would be passed down through the generations. And here we are in 2020, and we're still talking about the story today. You may have heard about this story. You may have been told this story in Sunday school. You may have uh, maybe had those flannel graphs on the wall in your Sunday school classroom of two smiling characters, Paul and Silas, with some broken chains around their arms, looking like everything's just peachy and everything's going well. And we know that the story does have a beautiful ending, but sometimes we forget just how brutal and painful and a little bit gruesome even this story is. If I told you before I read this text that I was going to read to you a story about uh, darkness and imprisonment and beatings and depression and fear and attempted suicide, your mind probably would not go to Acts chapter 16. And yet that's exactly what happens in the passage that we read about. This, this, this story, even though we sometimes uh, uh, kind of make a, a, a Sunday school version out of it, this is anything but a Sunday school story. This is a story that we can glean strength and we can glean hope from because it was a story of pain and questioning and darkness and fear. For those of you who maybe don't know the story or aren't as familiar, let me give you a very brief recap of the story. Paul and Silas were two preachers of the gospel. They were traveling and evangelizing, and Paul had a vision from God one night to go to Macedonia, a place far away from where they currently were. And so Paul and Silas set sail, and they landed in a city called Philippi. And this city was in the district, the region of Macedonia, that the Lord had called them to that night in the vision. In the vision, there was a man that appeared to Paul. He was Macedonian. He said, Paul, come preach to us. We have no one preaching the truth to us. So Paul obeyed this vision, and now they're in Philippi, in Macedonia. And right off the bat, it seems that things are going pretty well. Uh, the Lord used them to witness to a lady named Lydia and her family, and they were converted. So it seemed like Paul and Silas, I mean, they were batting 100. Things were going well. Okay, it looks like God really did send us here. Uh, a prominent lady and her family were converted. Things are going well. But as soon as it started to, to, to go well, things took a dip for the worse. Because the Bible tells us in, in this story that uh, Paul and Silas begin to be followed by a young girl who was possessed by a demon. Again, I told you, this is, this is slightly different than maybe the Sunday school version that you have heard. Amen. There was a young girl with a demon and she was following them and she was irritating them and annoying them and causing trouble for them. So Paul finally got irritated and one day he turned around and said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Come out of her, speaking to that demon. And of course, the demon responded to the name of Jesus and left that young girl. That young girl who probably hadn't been free in years was now free of the demonic possession. And you would think at this point everybody would be happy for her. You think everybody would clap their hands and be yeah. glad this young 
young girl was free, but people were not happy. You see, she was actually a slave, and she had slave owners, and the demonic presence in her would actually tell people's fortunes, or at least pretend to. And so it was making her owners quite a bit of money, and they didn't want to lose that money. So when the demonic spirit left, they no longer had that ability to tell the future. They no longer could profit off of her, so her owners were very, very upset. And so they captured Paul and Silas and literally by their cloaks dragged them to the center of town. They began accusing Paul and Silas and they began beating them viciously. The Bible says they received many blows. Another translation says they were beaten severely. This was not just a little... A little pat on the hand. This was not just a little bit of screaming in the face. This was not just water bottles or, 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 or fireworks shot at them. No, they received many blows and were beaten severely. History tells us as well that the people that were beating them had no limits, no legal limits on the amount of, of beatings and lashings they could inflict upon these disciples. So this was very intense. And to make it worse, I told you, it gets worse from here. Then Paul and Silas were cast into prison for a crime that they did not commit. And they were bloody. They probably had broken bones. They were in intense pain from their beating. And now they were shackled to a wall. And history tells us that their shackles were probably spread as far apart as possible to keep those two men from ever getting into a position of comfort or ever being able to fall asleep. This is where we find Paul and Silas in the text that we read this morning. And now as the sun began to set and as the light began to leave their prison cell, I'm sure Silas must have looked over at Paul at some point and said, Paul, are you sure about that vision? Are you sure about what God spoke to you? Are you sure that you didn't just have some bad pizza that night when you went to bed and had some crazy vision that had nothing to do with God? Are you sure that Greek salad that you ate wasn't just a little rotten paw? Are you sure about that vision from God? And I'm sure that they must have had some kind of conversation. And Paul must have somehow kind of lifted Silas' spirits, I imagine. Because the Bible says in verse 25 that at midnight, which is the middle of the night, the darkest time of the night, Paul and Silas prayed. And they sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. Listen to this preacher this morning. I bet you those prison walls had heard a lot of things over the years. I'm sure those prison walls had heard groaning, crying, screaming, and even praying to whatever gods that those prisoners served. But those walls had probably never, ever heard singing. And in the middle of the night... At the darkest hour of the night, with all of the prisoners around them listening, Paul and Silas began singing. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I'm so thankful for the blood of Jesus that washes white as snow. While they're shackled to a wall, while they're bloody, while they're broken, while they're beaten. Amen. They were still singing. They were so convinced of God's love for them and God's plan for them that not even a prison could cease their praise. They made a decision in that moment. I'm not going to let the darkness decide for me. I may not be able to see two inches in front of my face. I may not know if rats are crawling around my feet right now in this prison cell. But I know this. The darkness 
does not get the final word. The darkness does not get the final say. God gave me a vision, so I'm not going to base my decision on this present darkness. I'm going to base my decisions off of the vision that God gave to me a few weeks ago. I'm going to base my decision not off the darkness, but off of the vision that God gave me a few years ago. I'm going to base my decision not off this current trial, but off of that sermon that God gave to me a few months ago that I refuse to let go of. I'm not going to base my decision on the darkness. I'm going to base my decision on the truth of God's word, the truth of God's presence, and the light of Jesus Christ. I've got a question for us today, church. A simple but profound question. And that is, can we still sing in the dark? Can we still sing when we cannot see? Can we still praise in the middle of the pain? Can we still testify in the middle of our trials? Can we still get lost in Jesus, even in the middle of a pandemic, even in the middle of job loss, even in the middle of health loss, even in the middle of uh, uh, tensions around the country, even in the middle of of certain tyrannical decisions, even in the middle of all kinds of chaos, can we still praise Him in the pain? Can we still worship Him in the dark? Come on, has He ever been good to you? Can He bring you out of darkness into His marvelous light and make your decisions based on the light? Not off the trial, not off the prison cell. God still loves you. He cares about you. He's got a plan for you. He's got a purpose for you. Do not let the darkness decide for you. The darkness make the decision for you. Right. Verse 26, the Bible continues and says, After they prayed and after they sang, suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. It took an earthquake to open all the prison doors. I know you've heard this preached before, but just stay with me. It took an earthquake to open all the prison doors. And I've just come to remind someone this morning that some things will not open until they have been shaken. Some things will not open until they have been shaken. Here in Acts chapter 16, it was not only the prison doors, but it was also the jailer's heart was not open until it was shaken. In Matthew 27 and 54, it was an earthquake that opened the eyes of a Roman centurion to see who Jesus really was. He was standing there at the foot of the cross. He knows who he knew who people said Jesus was, but he was not a believer. He was not a Christian. He was just there to guard the situation. But as Jesus was dying in his flesh, amen, and the clouds grew dark and the sky grew dark and thunder and lightning flashed and the earthquake started happening under his feet. The ground started shaking under that Roman centurion's feet. That's when he looked up towards the cross and said, truly, this was the Son of God. Truly, he was who he said that he was. The centurion had to be shaken in order for him to receive vision. And I don't know who needs to hear this today, but I believe God is using all of this chaos to open doors of opportunity. God is using as we speak worldwide devastation to bring worldwide revelation. Some things will not open until they have been shaken. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. I believe, church, that there will be doors and hearts. If we're looking for them and we're ready to receive them, there will be doors and hearts that open that previously were closed. We've seen this throughout this crazy uh, quarantine pandemic season. We've seen people who uh, hadn't gone to church in years, but their world began to get shaken. And they realized that, hey, this society and this system that we live in, as blessed as we are and as thankful as we are for this country, amen, things are more fragile than we thought they were. And, and, and the stock market can go down quicker than we thought that it could. And, and on and on and on. And so people tuned on to a live stream, even though they hadn't been to a physical church in years. And there were prodigals renewed in the Holy Ghost in their living rooms. People receiving the Holy Ghost for the first time in their living rooms. Why did this happen? How could this happen? Because they were shaken. There are some miracles that don't happen until the ground gets shaken. Don't despise some of the shaking. Don't be afraid of some of the chaos. Don't be afraid of some of the uncertainty. I'm telling you, God is getting glory in the middle of all this stuff. God has a plan and a purpose in the midst of all of this chaos. All of the chaos in your life. Hey, you may not be here this morning if it wasn't for God shaking you. You may not be saved in the house of God if it wasn't for a season of your life where God was allowing you to be shaken and God was allowing you to be uncomfortable and to be tried. Don't despise the very thing that, although it's uncomfortable, it can bring salvation, it can bring hope, it can bring redemption, it can bring healing. This is why several months ago, amen, over a live stream, we were preaching in Southern California, and there was a young lady we didn't know tuned in on the live stream. This is when uh, uh, pretty much nobody was, was in the church, and, and it, we were just doing a live stream at this church I was preaching at, so I'm just preaching pretty much strictly to a camera, and I don't know who's watching. I don't know what's going on, amen, but I felt to just preach the gospel. I just preached the gospel message about being baptized in Jesus' name, about being filled with the Holy Ghost. I felt like it was time for some good news. The Bible, the gospel literally means the good news, amen. Yeah. Yeah. And in the midst of all this bad news, this is why what our job is so important. We get to keep spreading the good news. Yeah. When you hop on CNN or Fox or MSNBC and there's no good news, amen, that's why we got this, that's why I'm a Christian, that's why I live for him, I've got lots of good news in the midst of bad news. I've been saved. I've been brought out of darkness. I've been redeemed. I've been healed from depression. I've been healed from fear and anxiety. I've been brought out of a life of drugs and partying. I've got good news for a chaotic world today. Hallelujah. And so there was a young lady we didn't know that was she was tuned in to the live stream. And uh, she was loosely connected to some people in the church. She lives in Mexico. None of us had ever met her. Seen her before. Didn't even know she existed. She didn't speak English. I was preaching with a translator. Amen. And previously, the people she was connected to said, you know, they tried to kind of slightly witness to her before, but she was just bitter. She just wanted nothing to do with the presence of God, nothing to do with the house of God. Amen. But she tuned in that morning, and for some reason... Amen. Well, I know the reason. It's because it was in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of the quarantine, when the entire world is looking in fear of what's going to happen. This young girl tunes into the live stream, and after she's done listening, she contacts the people at the church. She says, hey, something's changed in my heart, and I want to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Somebody that wanted nothing to do with God, but when all the chaos and the shaking came, then her heart was open. And the last I checked, they were sending the closest missionary, who was three hours away, to baptize her in the name of Jesus Christ. I just want to remind you, some things do not open until they have been shaken. Trust God. He knows what he is doing. Hallelujah. The 
Bible says, verse 27 through 29, the scripture continues. After the, the, the prison doors were open and everyone's bands were loose, the Bible says that the jailer awoke out of his sleep. And here's my favorite part. When God showed this to me in his word, I, my mind was blown. The jailer awoke out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, the Bible says, assuming that the prisoners had fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice saying, do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then the jailer called for light, sprang in, came trembling, and fell down before Paul and Silas. Now here's what I want you to notice in this passage. The jailer came inches away from ending his life. He had the blade pulled. It was probably inches away from his gut. Why? Why would he do such a thing? We have to understand that in the jailer's culture, in the jailer's time, amen, for him to lose all of his prisoners, he would have pretty much lost his occupation. That's what he did full time. History tells us he probably lived in the same building where the jail was. That was his full time stint. So if all of the prisoners left, amen, he would not be hired. He would lose all of his money. Amen. He wouldn't be able to provide for his family. Secondly, they lived in an honor and shame society. So that means if all the prisoners fled on his watch, his reputation would be ruined. Probably no one would ever hire him again. And he could actually be physically punished for what he did. And so because of that time in society, those reasons I just mentioned, the jailer came inches away from ending his life. But I want to ask you, is it because all the prisoners had actually left? Is it because his reputation and his livelihood were actually ruined? No. The reason why he almost took his life is because he assumed that all of that took place. That jailer almost acted on an assumption. He almost made a big decision in the middle of his darkness. But the crazy thing is, his fears did not line up with the facts. He couldn't see straight because it was so dark. And what he assumed was wrong. It was when he called for lights and the lights got flicked on that he saw that his assumption was wrong and all hope was not lost. I don't know who I've come to preach to today, but I've come to tell you that maybe things are not quite as bad as you think they are. Maybe things are not quite as hopeless as you think they are. Maybe you're just not seeing straight. Maybe you're just letting your darkness decide for you. I've come to preach to somebody. Don't believe all the things you think in the dark. Don't believe all the things your imagination tells you in the dark. Don't believe all the lies your mind tells you when you're in turmoil, when you're in a trial. Don't let the darkness decide. You need to do what that jailer did. You need to get on your knees. You need to pray and call for lights. The Bible says that Jesus is the father of lights. Call for lights. Say, Jesus, I don't understand. I don't know how I'm going to work through this. I don't know how I'm going to make it through this situation, but I'm calling for you. Jesus will come down. He will illuminate your situation. He'll help you to see that things were not quite as dire and quite as hopeless as you may have thought they were. Well, somebody praise him really quickly right now. Hallelujah. I've just come to implore someone this morning, either here or online, if you're in a pew or in your living room, do not act based on your assumptions alone. Do not make decisions, big decisions, based on assumptions. How many times have we seen people leave the house of God or stay away from the house of God or not be where they need to be in God? Not because of a reality, but because of an assumption. 
How many times have we seen people walk away or stay away from the house of God and they say, well, that, those people just don't like me. And I think that person may have backstabbed me. I think that person was gossiping about me. And did you see the look she gave me when I tried to go over there and get some hand sanitizer? Man, did you see the look he gave me? I mean, when I went to shake so-and-so's hand, and I just don't think anyone there likes me. And I just don't have any friends. And I just don't. On and on and on and on. And then your assumptions pull you away. And, and, and your surmisings pull you away, regardless of whether or not they're even true. You're cynical. You're skeptical. And so you have all of these assumptions, and you have no evidence whether or not they're true. You're living in fog. You're living in a little bit of darkness. And Jesus is saying, why do you keep letting the darkness decide for you? Maybe you make an assumption that, you know what, I've messed up too much. I've made too many mistakes. My God, have mercy. If the pastor knew all my mistakes, he wouldn't be able to look me in the eye. Jesus doesn't want me back. Jesus can't take me back. Jesus can't heal this mess. Jesus can't heal my depression. Jesus can't heal my addiction. No, there's too much uh, baggage. There's too much darkness. No, that's an assumption. And that's a lie from the enemy. That's not a fact. That's a fiction. That's not a truth. That's false. That's not the case. Do not assume there's no more hope. Do not assume that God won't forgive you. Do not assume that God can't give you a better job for the one you lost. Do not assume that nobody cares about you. Do not assume that God can't heal your mind or heal your body or heal your depression or heal your situation. Do not assume but trust in God. When everything looks dark, when everything looks impossible, get on your knees or fast or get in this word or call a brother or sister, call your pastor. You know what you're doing when you do that? You are calling for lights. And when you do that, God will open up your vision and you will hear the voice of God telling you the same thing that Paul told the jailer. That voice saying, don't give up. I'm still here. I have not left. You are not alone. Don't let the darkness decide. The jailer thought that everybody left him. And sometimes we feel the same way, that we're all alone, that everybody's left us. But you know what? That's not always, that's usually not the case. Amen. Usually there's somebody saying, hey, I still want to be your friend. I'm still your brother. I'm still your sister. I'm still your pastor. I'm still your bishop. I still love you. What do you mean nobody cares? I'm still here. And you know what? Even if everyone on planet Earth or everybody in your immediate circle really did stop caring or, or maybe just wasn't there for you as they should, guess what? You're never alone because you still have a God in heaven that says, I am still here. I am what you need. Don't give up. Don't give in. I've got the answer for you. Oh, somebody praise him again. Hallelujah. Don't let the darkness decide. John chapter 1 and verse 5, the Bible says, <clears throat> And the light shines on in the darkness, but the darkness has not mastered it. Another translation says it has not overcome it. I don't know who I'm preaching to today, but do not give up. Whether, whether literally or even emotionally, you know, some people, amen, they just get into robot mode. We've all been there, that autopilot mode, where maybe we're still going to work, or maybe we're still going to church, but inside of our hearts, the light is fading, and we have given up inside our hearts. We're letting the darkness begin to master the light of God in our hearts, and that's not what God's will is for us. The darkness cannot, it does not have to overcome the light. If you keep feeding the light, if you keep trusting Jesus, that darkness will never overcome the light of God. 
I don't care what happens in California. I don't care what happens in America or around the world. I know there's some things that don't look good right now. I know there's a lot of chaos, a lot of rage, a lot of anger right now. But can I tell you, no matter what happens, that darkness will ultimately never, never, never triumph over the light of God, over the light of the church, over the light of the Holy Ghost, over the light of God's people. I'm not going to let the darkness decide for me because the darkness is not the full reality. That might be my reality right now. But as soon as that window opens, light is going to flood in. As soon as I get out of this situation, light is going to flood in. I will not let the darkness decide for me and my family. I may have depressive thoughts. I may have thoughts that attack my mind. Amen. Or maybe they feel dark sometimes and oppressive. I'm not going to let those thoughts decide for me. The Bible says neither give place to the enemy. You know what that means? Don't give him a place in your mind, a place in your heart. You know what that means? Don't even give him a foothold. Don't even crack the door even a little bit where Satan can get his foot and stick it there and begin telling you lies. Don't give place to the enemy. Don't, don't, don't give a foothold to Satan. When he tries to start pushing that darkness on you, know what it is. Reject Say, uh uh, not today, Satan, not here, not now, not ever. I'm pushing those things out of my mind. I know who I am in Jesus Christ. I've been bought by his blood. I've been filled with the Holy Ghost. And if you've never been filled with the Holy Ghost today, can I tell you that there is a beautiful light of God's presence that wants to fill your heart today. If you've never been filled with the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in other tongues, just like they did in the Bible, then you don't quite yet know the power of the light of God. You may have felt the light, but you never had the light living within you. And that makes all all of the difference. God wants to fill you with his light if you've never been filled before. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Praise God. I want to tell someone today the darkness cannot define you. you. You might feel like some of the darkness you've experienced or been involved in has defined you. But let me just remind you that darkness does not and cannot define. Darkness does not and cannot define. If you take some of the, the, the darkest shade of black in a fabric and you drape it over something, amen, that thing that you draped it over loses definition. You won't see every curve of this pulpit. You won't see every detail if you put a dark, dark, dark shade of black over this. Darkness doesn't define. It obscures. Only light can define. Darkness just hides and obscures what is really there. Amen. And as I've said before, this is why if you whenever we want whenever I want to look slimmer because I've gained quite a few pounds during COVID, I wear black. If I want to hide the definition, I wear black because that 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 color hides definition. It obscures. Amen. So if you think your darkness has defined you, you misunderstand. Your darkness has not defined you. It is actually only hidden things that the light of God can reveal. The darkness has just hidden your potential. The darkness has just hidden some of your gifts and some of your talents. But when you give yourself to Jesus, when you get lost in the joy of Jesus, and that light shines on you. Amen. Then you begin to realize what was within you all along. You begin to realize the potential, the anointing, the giftings, the abilities that was in you all along, but you've been letting the darkness hide it for too long. Amen. Somebody needs to make up yeah. in their mind. I'm stepping out of that. I'm stepping into the joy of God. I'm going to start believing what the word of God says about me. Whose report will you believe? I will believe the report of the Lord, and I will not let the darkness decide for me. Hallelujah. I will not let the darkness decide. 
Amen. I didn't plan on telling this story. I'm trying to hurry and be mindful of the time. Amen. But I want to tell you about somebody, amen, that didn't let the darkness decide for him. He was living in it all right. But his name was Brian. He was living in Nashville. Uh, he lives in Nashville, Tennessee. I've got a friend there that recently started a church. It's a, it's a home missions church. Amen. And this uh, man named Brian in Nashville, he did not know God, really wasn't a Christian kind of believed in God, but wasn't really sure. And he was a uh, army veteran or Marine veteran. He had served overseas in the Middle East and come back. He's in his 30s. And he was struggling with what most people struggle with when they go overseas and see combat. He was struggling with post-traumatic stress disorder. He didn't even realize that's what it was. He just knew something was right in his mind. The nightmares, the thoughts, the, the, the panic attacks. I mean, things were not good for Brian. And so he got on his knees one day and he basically just didn't even know who to pray to. God, if you're real, send somebody to help me. Amen. And so he was a server at a restaurant there in Nashville. And uh, little did he know, one day he was serving a table where the person sitting at the table was that apostolic preacher, that home missions pastor I just mentioned. And God spoke to that apostolic preacher and said, listen, this guy serving your table has been calling out to me and you need to witness to him. And so the pastor pulled out a card with his number and gave it to the waiter, Brian, and said, listen, I'm a new pastor in town. If you ever need anything, here's my number. Give me a call if you just want to talk, if you just need an ear to listen to. And Brian said, my goodness, do I ever? I will definitely be calling you. And then before he got a chance to call the pastor, he had to go to a doctor's appointment at some veterans hospital, I believe it was. And I'm not a doctor. I don't know how all this works, but this is what he told me, that he went to take a test to see what was going on with him. And they were testing him to see if he had PTSD and how bad it was. So Brian went to take this test, and it's something like if you score a 20 or a 30 on the test, then you definitely have PTSD. Well, Brian took the test, and he scored a 60 on the test. And the doctor told him, sir, you, you, you are very troubled. Uh, we're very concerned about you. Here's all these things we're going to have to do. Brian's life was going to radically change overnight with what they were wanting to uh, do for him because of what he scored on the test. And so Brian didn't know what to do. He called that number. He began meeting with the pastor. Long story short, the pastor began giving him Bible studies. He saw the revelation that if he wanted his sins washed away, he needed to be baptized in the name of Jesus. And he saw the need for the Holy Ghost. So he was baptized in Jesus' name. He repented of his sins, and God filled him with the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues. Amen. Brian was radically changed. Amen. He knew joy for the first time like he had never felt. He told the pastor, why has no one ever told me about this before? I didn't even know that this was real. Amen. I wish someone would have told me about this sooner. His life was completely and totally transformed. And so now he had a follow-up appointment at that same doctor. He went back to take whatever test it was and then to see uh, his progress or see uh, what was going on. And so he went back and took this exact same test that he had taken before he got the Holy Ghost and before he got baptized and before he scored that 60. And now he took the test and what he scored was a 6. He barely registered on the score, barely registered on the charts whatsoever. The doctor told him, sir, I don't know what you've been doing. I don't know what you've been taking, but you're fine. You're good. Whatever you can do, keep on doing it. And Brian said, all I've been doing is going to church. I got the Holy Ghost. I got baptized. I received Jesus into my life, and I've never been the same since. Hey, that's somebody that said, you know what? I've got a lot of darkness. I've got a lot of pain. I've got a lot of suffering, but I'm not going to let the darkness decide for me. There has to be hope. There has to be an answer. And I'm going to tell you this morning, that answer and that hope is Jesus Christ. The love, the grace, and the mercy of Jesus Christ is the answer for your darkness. Oh, somebody praise him one more time. Amen. Oh, my wife, you coming. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Paul did not let the darkness stop his seeing. And he also didn't let his hurt stop him from helping his captor. I'm almost done. Stay with me. He didn't let his hurt stop him from helping his captor. If anybody had a right, if anybody had a right to lash out at the one that put him in prison, at the one that put him in, in, in shackles and chains, it was Paul. But instead of letting his hurt stop him from helping his captor, the prisoner became the encourager. The prisoner became the encourager. You see, instead of focusing on the pain his enemy caused him, he focused on the potential that his enemy had in him. Well, I'm going to say that again for somebody that missed that. Somebody hear this with me. Instead of focusing on the pain his enemy caused him, he focused on the potential his enemy had in him. And by the time the story was over, his enemy was baptized in Jesus' name. His entire enemy's family was baptized in Jesus' name. Can I tell you, you want to know how to see in the dark? Here's another pro tip. Love your enemies. Do good to those who have hurt you. Just because you're a prisoner doesn't mean you can't be an encourager. Just because you feel trapped doesn't mean you can't testify. Just because you've been hurt by others doesn't mean you cannot help others. The Bible says look to the hills from where your help comes from. That means look up to where Jesus is. And that's what we've all got to do. That's what we all got to work on. And it's hard sometimes to look up. I get it. And the reason why it's hard for some of us to look to where our help comes from is because our eyes are so focused on where our hurt comes from. It's hard for you to see where your help comes from when your eyes only focus on where your hurt comes from, on that bruise, on that emotional wound, on that pain, on, on that thing that so-and-so said about you, that thing that mom or dad when you were younger did to you, or whatever it could be. Amen. And Jesus is saying, look, I know there's been pain. I know there's been darkness. But look to the hills. I'm going to help you. I love you. I've got light and joy and peace for you. Amen. In Philippians 1 and 12, Paul is writing from yet another imprisonment situation. And he writes this incredible statement from his jail cell. He said, my imprisonment has caused the furtherance of the gospel. When you can make even your prison a place of productivity, then no devil in hell can stop you. When you can make your prison a place of production, when you can make your quarantine a place of spiritual progress, then no devil in hell can stop you. Amen. Amen. That's what Paul is trying to get us to realize. Even those of you that are in prison, guess what? I still say in prison. My imprisonment still caused the gospel to go further. And even for all of us here today, you might feel trapped. You might be in a tough tough situation, but it doesn't have to rob your voice, and it doesn't have to rob your joy, and it doesn't have to rob your singing. It's up to you to decide, am I going to surrender my joy? Am I going to give my joy away? Because the world couldn't give what you have, so the world can't take it away. The only way you can lose it is if you choose to give it away. And if you have chose to give it away, guess what? God's not looking down on you mad. He says, guess what? There's still hope. You want your joy back? You need some restoration? You want your peace back and your hope back? You need some light back in your life? Here you go. I've got it infinitely. I've got whatever you need in my hands. Say, so why are you... Why are you preaching all this this morning, preacher? Why, why, why is this significant to you? Because I know what it's like to sit in darkness. I know what it's like. I'm here today with a suit and a comb over, but I had not always looked this way. I know what it's like to let darkness make my decisions for me. 
I know what it's like to be far from God. I know what it's like to wonder if there's any hope. I know what it's like to live in sin and depression. I know what it's like to feel completely disqualified from receiving anything good because my life was so dark. I know what it's like to start believing the lies that the darkness tells. And because of that, begin to make self-destructive and harmful decisions. I, I know what it's like to believe the dark voices of hopelessness. I, I know what it's like to come to the point of almost giving up. And I want everybody in this place today to raise your hand if you've ever felt like giving up. That should be probably all of us. Now, I want everyone who is also thankful that they did not give up to raise your hands. You didn't even think you'd be here, did you? Some of you should have been dead a long time ago. You didn't even think you'd be in the house of God in 2020 on a Sunday morning. But because you didn't give up, because you didn't let the darkness totally overwhelm you, here you are. The book of Micah chapter 7 and verse 8 says, Rejoice not against me, O my enemy, for when I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. Listen, I know what it's like to sit in darkness, but I also know what it's like to begin living in the light. I know what it's like to live in fear, but now I know what it's like to live in faith. I know what it's like to feel absolutely hopeless, but now I know what it's like to live in an abundance of hope. I used to let the darkness rule my life, but I'm glad to tell you today that for the past nine years after I gave my life to God, I've been living in the light. And I don't know who I'm preaching to today, but you need to know that you don't have to let the darkness rule your life any longer. You can live in the light. You can live in the hope of Jesus Christ. You can live in the joy and the love of Jesus Christ. Don't listen to the darkness. The darkness says there's no hope, but the light says otherwise. The darkness says you've seen too much sin for you to have a healthy marriage or a healthy family. That's a lie from hell. Don't let the darkness decide. It may be a fight at times, but you're not fighting alone. You've got a God that's fighting within you. You've got a God that's fighting alongside of you. You have his word, which the psalmist said is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. God wants to shed light upon you this morning. Somebody praise you. I feel light coming into this place. If you need something from God, all you got to do is reach out for it. And God's light and His love will flood your soul. Somebody reach out to Him. If you feel the stand and worship, go ahead and do it. Somebody reach out to Him right now. Let that light and that love flood your heart, flood your soul this morning. Come on, somebody praise Listen, sometimes that's what it takes for things to open. Don't despise all the chaos. Don't despise all the trauma. Don't despise all the trials. God's with you, and God's going to get glory out of it. Don't let the darkness decide. Don't assume. Don't give in to the spirit of hopelessness. Don't give in to the spirit that wants to rob your joy. Come on. These altars are open this morning. I'm done because the Holy Ghost is telling me to shut it down. But if you want to get more joy and more light in your life, you don't have to leave this place in depression. You can come and receive the light of God today. If you've never received the Holy Ghost, I want to invite you to come. We can lay hands on you and God will fill you with the Holy Ghost. Come on, that's it. Let those tears flow. Do not resist. Do not resist the light of God. Let Him overwhelm you. That's it. Don't be afraid to be vulnerable with Him. Let the light of God overwhelm your heart.